Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. If you have a Bible question or comment, just give us a call. The lines are wide open. As the announcer said, 877-655-6755. Last week in between calls, we began a discussion of Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? That verse reads this way. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Obviously, this verse means that you have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It's necessary to being saved. We pointed out last week that it's not equivalent to believing because verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, you can't call upon the name of the Lord unless you believe first. But you've got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So obviously, you're not saved by faith only. According to 13 and 14, faith comes first. But you're not saved at that point. You have to call upon the name of the Lord. Then you're saved sometime after you believe. But if calling upon the name of the Lord is necessary to salvation, we better know what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. Many just assume that it means, well, you ask God in a prayer to save you. But I want to point out tonight, that's not what it's talking about. Here's what it's talking about. If God tells you to do A and he'll give you B, then the way you ask God for B is by doing A. So if Jesus says, and he does in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, then the way you ask God, the way you call upon God to save you is by believing and being baptized. Last week, we were illustrating that with four, three Old Testament illustrations, and we got through two of them. Let's look at the third one. You remember in Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, God told the Israelites through Joshua, that if they'd walk around those walls, the walls of Jericho, once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day, blow the trumpets and shout, then God would knock the walls down. Now, let's suppose you're Joshua and the Israelites, and God has said, if you walk around those walls 13 times in seven days, I'll knock the walls down. At that point, how would you ask God? How would you call upon God for that blessing, the knocking down of the walls? Well, if you were just theoretically, if you were to pray to God and say, God, please knock the walls down for us, God would theoretically answer back, I've already told you what to do for the walls to fall down. Walk around those walls 13 times in seven days. So the way you would ask God, the way you would call upon God for that blessing, the way you would call upon him to knock those walls down is by doing what he said to do for him to knock the walls down walk around those walls 13 times in seven days. It's the same way with salvation. As I said, if God says, if you'll do A, I'll give you B, then the way that you call upon him to give you B is by doing A. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the way you call upon God, the way you ask God for salvation is by believing and being baptized. Now, we see that actually in Acts twenty two sixteen. This is another place, there, there are at least three places in the New Testament that talk about calling upon the name of the Lord. We've already talked about Romans 10, 13. Let's look at Acts 22, 16. Let me give you a little backstory to Acts 22, 16. We have Saul of Tarsus, a very conscientious Jew. And because he's conscientious, probably, even though he's wrong, not, not a Christian, Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus miraculously. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Saul says, Lord, what would you have me to do? 
Well, he says, go on into the city. It'll be told you what to do. So obviously Saul believes in Jesus at that point. He believes Jesus has appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And, and he's, he's told him who, that he's the Lord. Saul believes it because he says, what do you want me to do? He goes into the city. Jesus sends to him Ananias to tell him what to do. Now let's read Acts twenty two sixteen. Ananias tells Saul, and now, now why tarryest thou? In Alabama, we'd say, what you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, many say people are saved when they believe that Saul of Tarsus believed on the road to Damascus. And they'll say, especially the Baptist, that he was saved on the road to Damascus because that's when he believed in Jesus. But how can that be so? Here it is at least three days later. Ananias is telling Saul to do something to get his sins washed away. No, his sins weren't washed away when he believed. They were washed away three days later when... He was baptized. Now, everybody agrees it's the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. Matthew 26, 28, Revelation 1, 5. The question is, when does the blood of Christ wash away our sins? Well, what happened in the case of Saul? Were they washed away when he believed by the blood of Christ? No, his sins were washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized, according to Acts twenty two sixteen. Now, here's really the point I want to get out in Acts twenty two sixteen. besides what I've just said. He didn't just say to be baptized to get his sins washed away. He said, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In other words, the way you call upon the name of the Lord is by being baptized. Just like I said, if Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The way you call upon the Lord to save you is by believing and being baptized. Well, Saul had already believed on the road to Damascus. Now all that's left is for him to be baptized. You see that? Arise and be baptized. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Two things you can learn. Your sins are not washed away until you're baptized. And number two, the way you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved is by being baptized. Not verbally in a prayer. This verse makes it clear that the way you call on the name of the Lord to be saved is by being baptized. Do you see that? That's pretty clear. Straightforward. Why don't more people believe this? I mean, it's so straightforward and clear and plain and obvious. Why? Because it contradicts a theory that they want to have. And so they're not willing to believe what God says in the Bible, even though it's plain, because it contradicts some something they already believe. They're not willing to make a change. Maybe it contradicts the beliefs of their parents. A lot of people aren't willing to change from the beliefs of their parents. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Again, give us a call if you have a Bible question or comment. 877-655-6755. The third place in the New Testament that talks about calling upon the name of the Lord is Acts chapter 2, verse 21. This is almost exactly the same wording as Romans 10, 13. Peter, in what we think is the first gospel sermon, Acts 2, 21 says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then... But what does that mean to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, verse 21? Well, it's detailed by verse 38. Here's some believers that want to know what to do to be forgiven. Peter tells these believers in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Being saved in verse 21 is equivalent to the remission of sins in verse 38. Calling upon the name of the Lord in verse 21, therefore, is equivalent to repenting and being baptized in verse 38. The way you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved from your sins is by repenting and being baptized. Again, if God tells you to do A and B and he'll give you C, the way you ask God for C 
is by doing A and B. We see that proved from Acts 2.21 and Acts 2.38 taken together. Ken from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, I was just wondering how that, if if that is the case, uh, how that yeah, how that worked with the uh, thief on the cross when, you know, Jesus said basically you'd be with him in heaven. He didn't have a chance to get water baptized. Yeah, are you familiar, Ken? That's a good question. Are you familiar with Hebrews nine fifteen through 17? Do you have your Bible handy or are you driving or what? I, I, I don't. I'm sorry, I'm driving. In, in Hebrews 9, 15 through 17, here's what it reads. It says, and for this cause, he, and the context is talking about Jesus, is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. So what I'm, the okay. point I'm driving at here, Ken, is that – can you still hear me, Ken? I, I can, yes. You might want to turn your radio down in the, so it doesn't get feedback here. But So that, that this New Testament, there's an illustration going on here. I'm one of four boys, one of four brothers. My parents made their will out in the 1970s. But we didn't inherit anything till my second parent died in 2010. The will does not go into effect until after the death of the people who wrote the will, the testator. Here Jesus is the testator. The law that teaches, Ken, that a person has to be baptized to be saved did not go into effect until after the death of the testator, Jesus Christ. So the thief on the cross, Ken, didn't have to be baptized to be saved for the same reason that Adam and Eve didn't have to be baptized. Noah didn't have to be baptized. Abraham didn't have to be baptized. Moses didn't have to be baptized. The Old Testament law never required baptism. This is a New Testament requirement. And you remember Colossians 2 verse 14 says that Jesus took that law and nailed it to the cross. So it didn't end until after, until his death. And the New Testament law didn't come into effect until after his death. Ken, do you understand what I'm saying there? I get it. I don't quite agree with you on it, but um, I get it. Because if the law was in effect, then a, uh, a thief hanging on the cross is not going to go to heaven for dying. So he had to go in on his belief in Jesus, and Jesus was there and died, yeah. and he was not baptized. So yeah. I, I, he, I, just, I can't put it together like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Neither. Well, I mean, I, I can't help it what Hebrews 9 says and what Colossians 2 says. The, the New Testament law that says you got to be baptized well, it's not to be as plain saved. As you're try, it's not as plain as you're trying to make it. If it was, people wouldn't be arguing about it around the country. I mean, I and I've been baptized. Well, no, no. And um, okay. thank you, Ken. I'm not that's speaking not... against baptism at all. Ken, thank you. But people uh, argue would... about people argue about gay marriage and about what the Bible teaches on that. But that is, doesn't mean it's not plain. That's, the Bible. That's pretty clear. Yeah, That's well, the, clear, but what you're talking yeah, about is and, not. You can't, yeah. you can't just knock it in the head with everything like that and, and say, oh, well, I read it like this and I read it like that. This, and just because, you know, you have the upper hand in the argument, you can't always just go with, uh, there's going to have to be. You, 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 you're so, hey, Ken, you're Ken. so bent on being right. You're so bent on being Ken. What is clear is what Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's very, very clear. We read in Acts 2, verse 38, Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. That's very, very clear. 
Saul of Tarsus was told to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. There's nothing more clear than that. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save you. There's no way God is going to say that baptism saves us if we don't have to be baptized to be saved. So yes, the Bible is just as clear that a person has to be baptized to be saved as it is teaching that homosexuality is a sin. And there's nothing unclear about Hebrews 9.15-17 and and Colossians 2.14 to teach that the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized because he didn't live under the law that says you have to be baptized. Of course, the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized. He never lived under the law that requires baptism. That, that, that is perfectly clear and obvious. There's nothing ambiguous about that. Gail from New Jersey, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. I'm, I'm calling you. I've been listening to you quite often, and I just wanted to make a comment, a couple comments about, I think you were talking about um, something about um, calling out the name of Jesus, like people don't know who Jesus is. I think I was telling the screen caller that I think everybody knows that there is a God because, I mean, they want to deny it, they can. But if you look at creation, you're going to know that there was a an, um, an awesome designer that created all these things that we see out here. Um, and I think when people, like they say, there's no atheists in foxholes, like when someone's going to die, they're going to call out, oh, God, you know, God, help me. You know, like it's kind of like that kind of thing. Um, so I kind of want to make that comment. And about the baptism thing. Um, I definitely believe that people should get baptized once they really believe in God and they, they're mature enough to um, make that public affirmation of getting baptized. Um, you know, I think I know the scripture is very clear on that in, in different um, areas that you were noting. Um, but I think when you get hung up on that, people kind of shut down when you get to, like, I guess, um, not legalistic, but it's like, um, you know, uh, pushing the subject, you know, kind of like uh, with people, like they kind of shut down. If you like, I think when it's like the law, you have to do this. And like a child will like rebel against something that a parent says to them. I think then sometimes people hear that. They kind of get upset about it. They should get baptized, definitely. Um, but like winning an argument over that, I think it's like you don't want to shut people off from hearing and receiving the word, you know, when they hear like, you know, yeah, you have to get baptized. You have to get baptized. Thank you, you know? so much for your good advice. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> that. Okay. And you have a good evening. Right, thank Thanks you. for your call. You too. Bye-bye. Right, bye. And Gail is so correct about we ought to be able to tell that there is a God from the creation. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. That's exactly what Gail was saying. In Romans 1 verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. So you look up in the sky, you can see there's a moon there. It couldn't have got there on its own. You can tell there must be a God. So people are without excuse. You should be able to know there's a God by the creation, just like Gail says. Carlos from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, Carlos, you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, Could you read uh, Romans 10 and 9? Where it says to confess with your mouth. Yeah, I agree that. I'm going to read Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's right. Yes, sir. So according to that passage... You're saying that you're not you're not saved until you're baptized? 
Right, isn't that what happened to Saul? He he believed in the Lord Jesus. And then in Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias told him to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So he didn't get his sins washed away until he was baptized. Carlos, no, no passage is going to tell you everything you have to do to be saved. For example, this one in Romans 10, 9, and 10 doesn't say anything about repentance. But we know that Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, for example, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Yeah, to, until you confess with your mouth, if you're not going to be saved, I don't believe. That's right. I agree with you, Carlos. You got to confess, but you also have to repent of your sins, don't you, Carlos? Yes, sir. Yep, but re- repentance is not mentioned in Romans ten nine and ten. But that doesn't prove that repentance is not necessary because other passages show that you got to repent. Similarly, other passages outside of Romans ten nine and ten show that you got to be baptized. For example, right here in the book of Romans, Romans six verse three says, "Know you not that so many of us as were baptized." into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Carlos, you can't be saved if you're not in Christ, can you? No, sir. <laughs> in Romans 6, what is Romans 6, 3 says, how do you get into Christ, according to Romans 6, verse 3? I don't know. I, I got well, it says you're baptized into Christ. You're baptized into Christ. That's how you get into Christ. So you can't be saved without being in fellowship with Christ, in a saved relationship with Christ. And Romans 6, 3 says you're baptized into Christ. That's how you get into Christ. That's how you get into that saved relationship with Christ. So you put everything the Bible says together, and you see that a person has to believe in order to be saved. John three sixteen, He has to repent in order to be saved. Acts two thirty eight. He has to confess with his mouth, Romans 10, 9 and 10. He has to be baptized, according to Acts twenty two sixteen. All of these things are necessary. We don't dare leave anything out. William from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, it's been a long time, Patrick. I I drive a truck for a living. Uh, I don't have the verse offhand. I believe it's in 1 Peter. He runs across uh, a bunch of Gentiles which have been given the Holy Spirit but had not been baptized. That's true. That's in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. They did receive a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit before they were baptized, but they had to get baptized. He commanded them to be baptized, Acts 10, verse 38. So just because somebody gets just because somebody gets a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit doesn't prove they're saved, obviously, because you get Cornelius received a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't saved till he was baptized, Acts 2, 38. Saul of King Saul in 1 Samuel 19 received a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit at the same time while he was laying down naked and plotting to kill David. Read that in 1 Samuel 19. So receiving a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit doesn't prove that you're saved. Dave from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, uh, my question is this. Uh, John the Baptist said that... Uh, uh, that he baptizes with water, but yet one comes that baptizes with fire, uh, meaning the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter three that unless one is born of uh, born of water and of spirit, no one can enter the kingdom of God. I would think that these uh, the idea of baptism uh, to be saved would be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not necessarily baptism with water. Dave, let me ask you, 
you, that's a neat kind of a neat verse you quoted in John chapter three, verse five. Uh, right. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What do you think that's talking right. about being born of water? What do you think that's talking about? I think being, being born of water, I think is being born humanly in flesh, uh, in flesh and blood, uh, birth as a child with a mother. And I believe that being born of spirit is, uh, uh, being born in Christ. Okay. Thanks. Th- thanks for your call, Dave. I appreciate that, that insight. I think we're not going to have time to go into it, but I think if you do a study of the first five or six verses of Romans chapter six, it's talking about baptism and, uh, and it uses the term, uh, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, verse six. Um, uh, and verse four, that we should walk in newness of life. We, these are all terms that are synonymous with the phraseology of the new birth. So the, the first several verses of Romans 6 shows us that being born of water is, is talking about water baptism because that's when the new birth, that's when you become a new creature. That's when you start walking in newness of life uh, according to Romans 6 verses about 1 through 7. One other point. The, the caller mentioned, well, what about the possibility that the verses that uh, teach you got to be baptized to be saved are talking about Holy Spirit baptism? Well, we quoted 1 Peter 3.21, but we didn't read the whole thing. 1 Peter 3.20 and 21 says, Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure we're into, even baptism, doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What that passage is saying is that the eight souls were saved through water is a prefigure or a, or a, uh, a type of baptism. And the way one is a type of the other is that both involve water, both involve a salvation. Noah and the eight souls being saved through water involves water. It's a physical salvation. Baptism doth also now save us, verse 21. It would have to be talking about water baptism. Otherwise, why did he bring up water in verse 20 to talk about the eight souls being saved through water? So verse 21 has to be talking about water baptism. That's the very reason he brought up water in verse 20. He's talking about water baptism. And it says, baptism doth also now save you. Talking about water baptism. So we know the baptism that saves is water baptism. First Peter 3, 20 and 21 make that very, very clear. Travis from Virginia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, um, first off, I'd just like to say thank you for doing this. It's a really good thing that you're doing. Um, but my question is, so if you were, if you were baptized when you were younger and it was before you went through your whole you know, backsliding, doing the worldly thing, and then you come back into getting in with Jesus and trying to do the right thing and walk your walk through that, does that baptism still count even though it was before you really started sinning really bad, or should you get re-baptized? Travis, are you you talking about yourself? Yes. Okay. Well, I want to ask you a question about that baptism that might help us answer this question. In Acts, mm-hmm. in a, why were you baptized? What was the purpose um, for your baptism when you were young? Well, to be honest with you, when I was, when I was baptized, I was just, I was really young. We were going to church, and it kind of just 
happened. We did something, and um, Travis, I'm gonna have to go were, off the air in about. I'm gonna have to quit in about 30 seconds. Let me point out to you. Maybe we can talk more about this yeah, off the air. But Acts 2:38, a verse we read. Peter said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins." I found yeah. Travis that a lot of people who who've gotten baptized when they're younger, some even when they're older are not baptized for the right purpose, not for the remission of sins. Yeah. So they need to be rebaptized, not necessarily because they fell into sin later, but because they never mm-hmm. were baptized for the remission of sins, the right purpose. Do you know what I mean, Travis? That, that makes all the sense in the world, yeah. Okay. Travis, I'm going to try to call you back after the program. Look for a call from me from the 256 area code, and I'll call you after the program because i got to go off the air right now. Okay, Travis? Thank you. Okay. Thank you for your call, Travis. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me, 256-682-9753. 